All right, we're finishing uh, this series that we've called Words Matter. And uh, this idea of words matter uh, is reminding us that there are words in our vocabulary, there are words that we use that um, have gotten distilled over time, they get diluted, they get changed, and there are points where we need to come back and be reminded uh, of what they really mean and, and what they really stand for. And so we have been going through the words uh, in the fruit of the Spirit. And this is our ninth week, our final uh, one, if you can believe it. Next week we start our Advent season and Advent series, and uh, just amazing to me how fast it's gone. But this morning we wanna finish uh, in, in the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to remind you as we start that the idea of fruit of the Spirit, that fruit is a singular noun, and that it's referring to all of the fruit of the Spirit. It's referring to one thing that God does in our lives. And so when someone has invited Christ into their life, the Scripture teaches us that His Spirit comes and dwells in us, lives in us, and that He grows us from the inside out. And what He produces in our lives, the Scripture calls fruit. But you can, uh, And there are nine aspects of it. If you can picture a diamond with uh, all the different parts of a diamond, all, all, all the different perspectives of a diamond, uh, and that that's the idea. It's all one thing, but we have different parts of it. We see it in different ways, uh, depending on where we are in our lives, what we need, what's going on in our lives at the time. And so when God talks about fruit of the Spirit in the New Testament, what he wants us to understand is that it's one thing that he grows. And so we can't, uh, we can't sort of pick them out and say, you know, I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm crazy about that love part. I, I think I'll take that. And peace seems like a really good idea to me, but this whole idea of self self-control, not so much. I think I'll leave that one out. You don't get to do that because it belongs to the Lord. It's something he grows in us and it's all part of the same thing. It's all part of what it means to have the spirit of the living Christ, the spirit of the resurrected Christ living in us and what he produces uh, in us. So that's what we're going to look at this morning and we're going to look at the the last one is self-control. And I think the, the definition of irony this week should be talking about self-control the Sunday before Thanksgiving, you know? So I'm sure a bunch of you have your plans already for Thanksgiving, you, uh, your eating plans, that's what you really have, you know, you, know, you know who's coming maybe and all that, but you really, what you really need is an eating plan, and so some of you have been dieting for the last two weeks just so you're ready for Thanksgiving, right? I'm gonna cut back a little here and there so that I, I, I'm because I know what's coming. Uh, some of you just make silly promises to yourself that I'm not gonna be in pain like I was last year, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna manage that somehow. Uh, some of you decide, you know, here's my plan, I'm not gonna eat any of the appetizers, skip all of that, just get ready to, you know, for the meal. And then some of you who are the most realistic and the most clear thinking simply decide to wear sweatpants <laughs> and maybe just wear sweatpants for the next two weeks after Thanksgiving, right? That seems like a reasonable option to me. But uh, that's, the, so we all have these ideas of self-control, but here's the thing, we all struggle with self-control. All of us struggle with self-control. Some of us, the problem with our self-control is that we don't control what we say. 
that, you know, that we're always saying something that we wish like crazy we could pull back. Uh, some of us struggle with self-control with habits that we have, habits that aren't healthy for us or habits that we wish that we could break. Uh, some of us uh, struggle with self-control in relationships. Some of us uh, struggle in self-control in, in other areas. And there may be a few of you today who feel like I have no struggles with self-control, but let me, let me just be honest with you that your self-control problem is your pride then because we all struggle at one level or another in our lives with self-control. It's, it's in us and, and we have a problem with, with self-control and the Bible talks about it. That's why when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, the very last one, sort of the bookend, we have love in the beginning and then we finish with self-control to create a picture for us of, of what it means to really be a follower of Jesus what it means to have Christ grow in us, what it means for our lives to be driven, to be guided by the Lord. And so I wanna look this morning at Galatians 5 again, one more time, but this morning we're gonna read a few extra verses. We're gonna start, in fact, with verse 19. So read with me from Galatians 5, beginning in verse 19 through 26. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, uh, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here's the first list that he gives us, is the list of a life that is out of control, a list of a life that, that doesn't have self-control. There's a, there's a great ancient um, word for that, akresia, and, and it just simply means one spirit is out of control or no control over one's spirit. And so that is a person who is led, that's a person who lives by their urgent, by their immediate desires, by their immediate needs, by the first thing that comes to their mind. They're constantly a slave to, to what they want in the moment, what would it make them feel good in the moment, maybe what they think would give them some satisfaction in the moment, or whatever it is. And, and the Apostle Paul talks about that group first, and then he comes back and he says, but that's not who we are. That doesn't define our lives. That's not how we're going to live, but here's the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what it looks like for someone who looks like Jesus. Here's what it looks like for someone who has Christ living in them. And he starts in verse 22, and he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Verse 24, he says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with all its passions. And then he goes on to say, If you live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let me just stop there for a quick second. He says two really important things to us. Uh, so, you know, as we look at this passage, as we look what it, at what it means to have the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives, he says this, here's the first thing that we do, is that we crucify all of those old passions and desires, all of those things on that first list. We, we simply make a decision that I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My life now belongs to him, that, that I am coming under his headship, I've come under his lordship, that I belong to Christ. I'm giving up all of those things, I'm transferring all those things over, I'm allowing those 
those things to be crucified so that I can become everything that God wants me to be, so that I can become a picture of who Jesus is uh, in the world. And so he says, that's what it looks like. And so he says, if we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. Other translations will say something like, let us walk in the Spirit. So here's what it looks like. It's not a list of things that we need to check off. It's not a list of things that we need to do, but Paul is saying, here's the goal. You have the Spirit of Christ who lives in you, who dwells in you. Now walk in that. Walk with him. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the goal. That's what it looks like for us. We want to talk about how that works this morning. We want to talk about how we do that this morning. And then the last thing he says, and I think it's a really interesting way to close this, he says, do not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know what what he says? He says, the fruit of the Spirit is not a competition. The goal isn't for you to have more fruit than somebody else. The the goal isn't for you to compare yourself to someone else and either feel better about yourself because of how you look or feel worse about yourself because of how you look, but but it's, it's not about comparing with anybody else. It's not about what anybody else is doing, but it's simply about what Christ is doing in your life and how we live that out, what that looks like. And so he says this isn't a contest with somebody else. This isn't a, a competition. We don't, we don't gauge this by comparing ourselves to others, but we simply look at what Christ is doing in our lives and how he's growing in ours and how we're participating with Jesus. So this idea of self-control uh, comes from an, another ancient word, a, a Greek word, kronatea, Kratea, and, and it means self-control, or there's another old word that, that it used to be translated, and it's temperance. It's a great old word that doesn't get used very much anymore, but we do use part of it from time to time. We use that word temper. And if one loses one's temper, one's losing control, right? Uh, and so we still have this idea in our language. Uh, we simply call it temper, that someone who loses their temper, they lose control. They lose control over their tongue. They lose control over their thoughts. They lose control over how they act, how they treat people. It's this idea of whether or not we live a life that's uh, self-control. Now, here's the thing about self-control. It's really demonstrated in two ways. It's demonstrated in two ways in our lives. The first one is obvious for us. The first way that self-control is lived out in our lives is we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That that's how we exercise self-control. That we say, first and foremost in my life, I'm gonna love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's who I am. That's my identity. That's how I wanna live my life. The picture of self-control begins with being all in for Jesus, loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, and then the, other, the second one is we love our neighbors as ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love each other as Christ has loved us. So self-control is saying that I'm gonna wake up every morning and I'm gonna love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength and I'm gonna love my neighbor as I love myself. I'm gonna love my neighbor. I'm gonna work to love my neighbor as Christ loves me, what he's given to me. And that's the beginning of self-control in our lives. 
It's not about sort of, you know, getting tough and, and it, it's not about sort of, you know, gritting my teeth and, and determining what I'm going to do today. You see, we live in this culture that's so amazing that we have this focus on uh, self-control that manages what we eat, it manages how much we exercise, it manages how we look and how we dress, and yet at the same time, we live in a culture that's never been so violent, so obsessed with sex, so obsessed with alcohol, with drugs, with other things, and, and we live in this dichotomy of a culture of ours where we have self-control in some areas, and then in other areas, there's complete chaos around us, and here's what Jesus says, it's not those things, it begins with this, to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself that's the beginning of self-control in our lives that's where it starts to make that decision and, and you know so we don't some of this I, I get it that this is really a challenge because this really costs us that it says that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have to make that decision every day. Am I going to follow Jesus today? Am I going to love him with my heart, soul, mind, and strength today? Am I going to love my neighbor as myself today? Am I going to do that today? Am I going to live that out? But here's what we don't want to miss, that, that, if, that, that self-control uh, is about giving ourselves to decisions that make, that, that in the end produce the life that we believe God called us to live, the life that the scripture calls us to live, the love, the joy, the peace, all of those things, that making that decision leads to those things, giving our lives over to our instant urges, to our instant desires, all of those kinds of things. Uh, the, the scripture says doesn't lead to that. It doesn't lead to that happiness. It doesn't lead to being that kind of person that we've always dreamed of being, that we feel called to be, that we feel created to be. And so we decide. We decide every day, am I in? Am I loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Am I gonna love my neighbor? Am I gonna love others as Christ has loved me? What's that gonna look like in my life? You know, we certainly have gotten a, 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 a little bit of a glimpse of what life is like on the other side. We, I don't know how many of you saw the news this week. Charlie Sheen, actor, super famous guy, famous playboy, wild child, all of those things, uh, announced last week that he's HIV positive because of his lifestyle, because of, uh, of a life that, that is just given into those urges, giving into those desires of the moment, what makes me feel powerful, what makes me feel good, what makes me happy, what gives me a thrill, on and on, and it, do, it, leads, it doesn't lead to the life that you really want. It doesn't lead to the life that you were created for. Biblical self-control is very different from self-control or willpower. Biblical self-control is demonstrated first in loving the Lord and second in loving others. Self-control is the ability, here's one definition, self-control is the ability to choose the important thing over the urgent thing. To determine our life, what really is important in my life? What really matters? What do I want my life to really look like? What do I want my life to end up like over as opposed to what's the urgent thing in my life? What do I feel like right now? What would make me happy right now? What would please me right now? But it's taking that view of what would, what would make my life everything that God wants it to be. The ability to choose the important thing over the urgent thing. And we know what those things are. We know how it starts. Galatians 5, 25 and 26 says again, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step or walk with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking 
one another or envying one another. You see, it's only when our desires, uh, it's only when our desire for joy becomes second to our desire to see others have joy. It's only when our desire for love takes second to our desire to love others that we really experience love, that we really experience the, the fruit in our life. Uh, if when, uh, while our focus is all about us, while our focus is about what is gonna make me feel good, what's gonna please me, what's gonna satisfy me, make me happy, this me, 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 while our life is driven by those things, then we really miss what God called us to do. We really miss what God created us for, how he intended us to live our lives. We're gonna miss the very, thing that God created us for. Self-control is not what I do for myself, but it only comes when I want something more than myself, bigger than myself, when I want what God has created me to be, what God has for me. Here's another part of it is that self-control isn't just about me. The fruit of the Spirit just isn't about me. It's about the gospel. It's living the kind of life that, that looks like Jesus, that when people see our lives, they see a picture of Jesus. That's why in John 8, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people, all men and women to myself. And he says that this is now our call, this is our job, that when you go out in the world, you're a picture of Jesus for people. And, and when you live, the way you live your life is how Jesus gets lifted up. And who is the Jesus people are going to see? What's the picture of Jesus that people are going to get? That's the kind of life that we want to be building. That's the kind of person that we want to be, that when people see our lives, they get a glimpse at least of who Jesus really is. So Paul, again, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control uh, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying if you wanna be a great Olympic athlete, if you wanna run the, a marathon, you go into training to run a marathon and you strip the things out of your life that will keep you from getting in shape, that will keep you from running that race and you discipline yourself and you focus on those things that will allow you uh, to, to accomplish your goal, to be everything you want. If our goal is to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another as Christ has loved us, then we begin to strip those things out of our lives that keep us from living that way, that keep us from that focus in our lives. He says it's like training as an athlete, He says, or like a boxer who is training for a, a, a huge uh, match. A, a boxer disciplines himself, and he's not just shadow boxing, but he's training, he's practicing, he's doing everything that he can, so that in the end, he is prepared for that match. He's prepared for what, whatever comes comes at him, and he's saying that's how we live our lives. We discipline ourselves, we use self-control because we want to give God room to change us. We wanna create space in our lives for God to grow us, for him to make us the person that he wants us to be, and so we do that, and here's what Paul said. He said that if we don't do that, that he said he really disciplines himself so that, so that at the end, the gospel might go out in his life. Again, it's about the gospel of Christ. It's about people seeing Jesus in us. It's about how our life speaks to other people. 
how our life speaks in the world. Then Proverbs 25, 28 says this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A man without self-control is like a, a city that has no walls and, and its enemy just crashes in and they have uh, free reign. They, they, they attack the city and there's nothing to keep them out. There's nothing to keep them back. And, and so they're constantly running over the city. They're constantly taking everything. They're pillaging and killing and all of those things because there's no protection. There's no wall. He said, that's what we're like when we, ha- when we don't have self-control, that we're, we're just subject to whatever comes along. We're subject to whatever comes at us that we have no barriers, we have no protection over the desires, over the other challenges. But he says, here's the wall. The wall comes from who Jesus is. The wall comes from from God's spirit living in us. The wall comes from us making a decision every day that we belong to Jesus, that we're gonna follow him, that we give him our life. And here's the amazing thing, that we only gain our lives, we only really gain our lives when we give them up to Christ. So Mark, the eighth chapter, verses 34 to 36 says this, and the crowd, in uh, calling the crowd to him, referring to Jesus with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. Here's the words of Jesus. He said, if you, if you want to see the fruit of the Spirit grow, here's three things. Here's three things to do. He says, first and foremost, deny yourself. And, and that's a great old word that simply means to come under new management, to come under new ownership. It's that I, it, my life used to belong to me and I used to own it and I decided what was best and I would decide what we want, what I wanted. But when I gave my life to Jesus, when I gave my life to him, I came under his ownership. I became under his management. And now my first thought is what would Jesus want me to do? What would please him? What would, uh, what would allow Jesus freedom in my life? What do I need to do to honor Christ today, to lift him up in my life? So we deny ourselves just like the athlete would, just like the boxer would we did we strip off those things that keep us from from loving Christ to keep us from allowing him to be first in our lives that keeps us from loving him with our heart soul mind and strength that we come under new ownership that we belong to him and I get it that it's hard and and it can be painful because we don't always want to give up stuff but here's the here's the great mystery is that only when we give up our lives do we gain his. It's only when we give up those petty little things that we're holding on to that we gain the great things that he offers us, the wholeness that he promises us, the fruit of the spirit in our lives. It's only when we give up those things. The long-term goal is to look like Jesus, to experience everything that he has for you, This takes friends, it takes time, it takes honesty, it takes scripture, it takes genuine repentance in our lives. One of the things that's most important about this is that we can't do it by ourselves, that we need other people in our lives, we need relationships, we need people who who, uh, uh, we trust, We, we need people who are walking life with us that are encouraging us to stay in step with the spirit of Christ in our lives. We, We need others, none of us can do this by ourselves. We weren't created to do it by ourselves. 
We were created to do this in community. We were created to do this in fellowships and in relationship, that we're called to do it that way. Uh, we're, we're called to be people who, because we just choose to please Christ, because we uh, want to live our lives for him, that daily we're creating habits in our lives that, that grow those things in us. Daily we're saturating our lives with his word because that's part of how we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're, we're developing the habit of prayer in our lives because that's part of how we demonstrate that we, uh, our love for the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We give ourselves to him in those ways. We don't do it so we can check off the list. We do it because that's part of what it means to love the Lord our God, to love him with everything that we have, to give ourselves completely to him. You know, for a lot of us, self-control is something I'm gonna do later. Uh, Self-control is more about, you know, toward the end of December, first of January, I'm gonna create that list that self-control list, right? And uh, sometimes we call them New Year's resolutions, but they're really self-control lists, right? Here are, the th- here are the promises that I'm gonna make, the things that I'm gonna keep. What's the average that people keep those? Is that like three weeks or something? It's not great. Self-control is a whole different thing. Self-control is a daily walk with Christ, giving ourselves to him. And so let me just help you with this one, okay? Don't wait till 2016. Start today. Make that commitment today that you want to give yourself to Christ, that you want you to live your life for him. You want your life to be a picture of what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. You, you just, you don't have to wait for it. Christ offers it right now. So it boils down to this this morning. Are you walking with Jesus? Are you keeping in step with his spirit in your life? And are you building the habits in your life that will allow his fruit to grow, that will allow Christ to grow in so that at the end of it, that we look like Jesus? Part, part of how we think about this is, you know, that taking a long view, looking at my life and what Christ will grow into it, always reminds me of how I want to be remembered how, how I want to be remembered by my family, by others. Do. And here's what it looks like. It looks like Jesus. Wouldn't that be the greatest goal? Wouldn't that be the greatest achievement? Wouldn't that be the most marvelous thing that you could ever think of, that when your family remembers you someday, that the memory that they have is that he was a picture of Jesus. He showed me Jesus. He looked like Jesus with skin onto me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, thank you for how you minister to us and care for us. Lord, uh, we, we acknowledge the fact that this is really hard, that this whole idea of self-control, denying ourselves, of taking up our cross, of following you, Lord, is so difficult. It's so hard. And yet, this is the very thing that you've called us to. Because, Lord, the result of it is, is that when we lose our life for your sake, we gain everything. And so, Lord, if, if we have lived on our own urges and desires and short-term ideas, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge our hearts, Lord, convict us uh, to look at what it means to get up every morning and give our lives to you, to determine to live our lives, Lord, in a way that would, we would love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength.
And Lord, that it would be by your strength. And Lord, not only by your strength, but it would be for your glory and for the sake of your kingdom. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you stand with us? Amen.